0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it.
3: I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourers Bench.
2: Hello, welcome back to the show. Now, this week we take to the skies yet again to cover the 2012 film by Lucasfilms Red Tails. And joining us, we have from the fabulous Dam Busters podcast, it's none other than Matt Bone. Welcome to the show.
4: Hello, gents. Thank you so much for having me. We've been talking about this for so long. So long. So, so long.
2: Three <laughs> years or something nearly. It must be.
4: Yeah, it's it's been a while and we haven't been able to put it off any longer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's part of our unofficial Aviation April
3: that we've been doing. We're trying, we're trying to make up for the dire lack of aviation films (laughs) we've done over the last year
2: we're really loud lovers we seem to have like a death
3: of them like we just seem to not have done many at all but it's not by like plan it's completely accidental it just we seem we've been a bit more organized this year actually we've tried to plan ahead a little bit but normally we're just like what are we doing this week and then we have to pick
4: something out of our ass Don't 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 be organized. Organized is no fun. That's 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 opening the curtain. No one wants to see behind that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell the listeners how it's run, Matt. Crikey. Um, Anyway, so maybe we should just jump into production first this week. Um, And I'm on it this week. So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the film's produced by Lucasfilm of Indiana Jones and Star Wars fame. I'm sure, you know, if you've looked uh, at a, a screen in the last few years, you'd have seen Star Wars, you know what it is. Um, And this was the last film that Lucasfilm made before uh, their Disney merger in 2014. And Red Tails at the moment is available on Disney Plus. Disney Plus it's a lovely uh, Blu-ray rip. Um, And the development of the film actually started in uh, 1988. And George Lucas supposedly heard of the story of the Tuskegee Airmen from uh, photographer George Hall. Uh, And it comes across for him as like a real passion project. When I was watching... Uh, the special features from the film, he says, I'm not a flyer, but I love airplanes. I love P-51s. I want to be here. This is something I'm really passionate about. I've been working on it for 20 years. It really seems that this is something really important to Lucas. And he envisaged the film to be like a long form three to four hour epic, uh, according to Rick McCullum, uh, who was a long term uh, collaborator with uh, Lucas. And he said this in a 2012 interview. We wanted to start in the United States and show the full racism these guys had to go through, then to go through the historic uh, heroic story that we're telling now, and then come back and do the beginning of the civil rights movement. But it was just so unwieldy, and also at that time, there was no way a roadshow three-hour movie in American cinemas would work. Every epic film had been a financial disaster, and we felt there wasn't an audience that we could get the film out to. I think that's fair, but then I think some of that remnants of the three-, four-hour epic is still in there, but we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that more as we go along. Um, so the story was condensed down and a script was finally written in 2007 by the Oscar winning screenwriter, di- uh, screenwriter, John uh, Ridley. He won an award for his screenplay of 2013's 12 Years a Slave. He also worked on the scripts for Three Kings um, and the Jimi Hendrix biopic, uh, Jimmy All By My Side. Uh, and Ridley had help from Aaron McGruder, a screenwriter and cartoonist who created the amazing Boondocks. I love that. Um, and the Adult Swim's Black Jesus sitcom, which is actually really great, too. Um, and production began a in link for the film as well. Yeah, it is a bit. Um, and production began in 2009 um, and directed by Anthony Henningway, And he's uh, in his directorial uh, debut, having cut his teeth on so many American TV projects. Um, I just had to condense them down. Um, the Wire, Treme. Uh, Battlestar galactica falling skies heroes an episode of community and many 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 more like it's it's incredible what the guys worked on Um, and reshoots were directed by lucas himself cinematography was done by john aronson who worked on american tv before i think red tails is probably his biggest credit but he worked on suits an american horror story music is by two-time oscar nominee terence blanchard He's an American jazz musician. Uh, His award nominations come from his work on two Spike Lee joints, being uh, Black Klansman and The Five Bloods. But he also composed the scores to Miracle at Santana, Inside Man, Love and Basketball, Malcolm X. His his credits are insane. Um, Some amazing films on there. Um, Filmed across Europe in location in Slovenia, Croatia, Czech Republic, Italy, England. And then at the Skywalker Ranch and, and Hamilton Air Force Base in California, too. And the aerial scenes were shot using a mixture of CGI green screen and gimbal mounted cockpits. I'm sure we'll come back to that. Um, and then, but the uh, cast were also taken up in a uh, P51s for experience. Um, one of the uh, actors saying it was just like a video game. And uh, it was Tristan Wilde saying that in a uh, special feature, uh, but they were also put into a boot camp, And it was quite funny. If you watch the special features, they're all running around um, being very like, you know, put upon, um, and the visual effects were by up they worked on all quiet on the western front jungle cruise city 44 snowpiercer i mean, think these guys credits are insane as well um and there's a really good showreel that they put together on youtube showing everything that they did and you'd be surprised even trees in this film are cgi i was so surprised that <laughs> you know you couldn't just find like a you couldn't find a hill with some trees on it it's a cgi the trees were, we're in that real mid uh, early 2010s late noughties thing of everything on screen being CG, which i think's a really interesting period of cinema. Um, And realtor Steve airmen were were part of the advisory team. Um, Veteran uh, Lee Andrew Archer served as an advisor. He unfortunately passed away at the age of 90 while the film was in post-production and the credits tribute him. Um, But the film um, took time to show in the special features, uh, the documentary making of Docs, that they really had a lot of time with surviving airmen. They had like Q&A sessions. I think they had a meeting at the skywalker ranch and they were showing all the artwork they would made for the film and it was really interesting seeing the cast having real discussions with the men who that they were the men that they were portraying i think that's quite rare um for a film of this nature especially now as we're getting away from the the war itself and we're losing unfortunately losing veterans that was really probably quite an enriching experience for everyone um but in terms of uh uh in terms of budgeting so the film um, was touted to uh, studios for a long time lucas couldn't find any backers um so he funded it himself he put in 58 million of his own money and a further 35 million um, into marketing costs and the film only made uh, 50.3 million back at the box office so it was considered a flop and didn't it even seems make Seems wild budget to back. me
3: that lucas shot around a film like this and he couldn't get any backers for it Especially when in the nineties they'd already been nice. Tuskegee um and the, the HBO, I think it was HBO, the T V movie, which was great. Um, that told a lot of the story. And he couldn't find bizarre. any
4: backers. That's so odd. I I, I don't get I, it. I think I think it's a it's a weird time because this is just post prequels. Yeah post pe- yeah, just prequels. post The Star Wars prequels yeah. and everyone's
3: like, oh god, no.
4: Yeah. And I th- I think that kind of mm. plays into it. Yeah, you know, they, they made a bucket load of money. Um the last one was just everyone was just sighing that it was over. Um, to be fair, I did that when Phantom Menace came out and then sighed for the next 10 years. Um But <laughs> I I, th- I think that didn't help because you know, when at the time if someone hears George Lucian, George Lucas Passion Project. And they've just had, you know, a, a decade of the prequels. Is is that the yeah. thing? You know, because, you know, you've got to think about round about the same time. This is the Marvel resurgence as well. Um, you know, this is the you know, same sort of time as, uh, you know, Iron Man 2 is getting prepped. Um, Captain America, First Avengers getting prepped. Everybody's seeing a sort of shift, which may explain why Red Tails looks like it does. But th- that could that's always just been my take on yeah, maybe I think, why I, I
2: think that's right. There's some yeah, bits that I scream like
4: Sky Captain
3: in the World of Tomorrow, where the the CGI is lot, so visible that it isn't yeah. even like um, like a stylistic choice. It's just oh, we can't really we haven't really filmed this bit. We're just we're going to put the church in behind them anyway, or something like that. You know, yeah. and it's
2: like the most the most weird looking parts of iRobot. It's like that to me. Yeah, in places. Um. And yeah, for 2009, yeah, Matt, you're right. It is all coming in you've got the whole Marvel thing and that's changing the way studios think about pictures. So maybe that, maybe you've got a point there. Um, So maybe we should go on to a retro review or, um, that we always do. Oh, no, before that, sorry. So the film was released on January the 10th uh, in 20, 2012 in the UK. Sorry, uh, January the 10th, uh, 2012 in the US and June the 6th, 2012 in the UK. Um, and I remember it having a massive advertising thing. I, I remember there being like you know posters everywhere. There was there was uh, trailers. I, remember, I think I watched a, a thing on BBC. You remember film two thousand? Must have been film two thousand and twelve oh, yeah. or something with Jonathan Ross or the woman who replaced her. I can't remember. Or oh, it might have been the Claudia revolving. Winkelman. That was it, Claudia Winkleman. It might have been I, her uh, at the time. Actually, I,
4: I I took a day off work to go see it. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how how often do you get to see a Second World War aerial film? And it was just like I, I've got—I was like the only person in the cinema, which is great because it means you get stretched out and you can munch popcorn and and go away. But yeah, it, uh, we'll get onto that. Well, that's as well. the whole thing. You can tell
2: a movie's <laughs> going to be a dud financially if you're the only person in the cinema. Anyway, so the retro review this week comes from Empire Magazine um, by Ian Freer.
4: Good, good, good critic. Good, good critic.
2: So I've truncated it, um, but I'll read you a couple of paragraphs. Red Tails pitches a band of plucky rebels in inferior vehicles against a dastardly empire and packs it with all the patented Lucas trademarks. A love of speed and action, moral certainty, cloth-eared dialogue, easy-to-grasp characters, idealised heroism to create an entertaining slice of boys' own adventure that never realises the full potential of the subject matter. Just as Star Wars is an upgrade of Flash Gordon serials, Red Tails is a fighter ace movie that 60 years ago might have been directed by Howard Hawks or Nicholas Ray. It upgrades the old miniatures on, wild, uh, on wire and stock footage combo for exciting dig- digital dogfights, which mostly feel real and stirring. The flyers are likeable, but a set of stock characters that could have been done with more complexity. In the air, they never know fear of any vulnerability. On the ground, they can be reduced to a single phrase. Drink problem, God fearing kid who becomes a man. That nearly makes this hot shots part trois. A fun B movie with a valid approach, but you can't help feel that there was a richer picking that there were richer pickings to be had. There. So yeah, I I agree with the review. I, you know, I do think that it is a B movie really at heart. Um
4: We definitely have to come back to that because I have the the Hawks thing, I think is probably the bigger shadow over this film than a lot of people give it credit for and it, that came up in a few decent reviews I, I think ebert mentioned it as well that it had that mm. scene sort of feel to it. but we'll, we'll come we'll come back to that that's yeah no it does uh, I, I,
2: I get what you mean but the one word reviews this week i mean we had i think we had a bumper of responses because not only did we share um our, our our um one word review we had uh the Dan Busters, uh social media were also doing the same thing. and it, I think we probably had over about 200 responses, probably all in all. Um, but just to start off with, and I'm sure matt Matt's, uh got some of his own from his his side. Um, so we had a few here, no particular order as always. Paul Johnson goes with Craptastic. Rob Hughes goes with Cartoon. Andy L, Disappointing. Rubber goes with Lacking. Kaisal O'Hare goes with Enjoyable. Um, and Jim Deku says, sorry for two words, he says Terrible Script. Uh, and I'll round out our one with Dan Steele that says comic book.
4: The the gist is there. It's it's I there's quite a few. I loved it, which was quite nice. Um, but the cartoony thing comes up a lot, and then there's some really long, really vitriolic ones. And I think the the one people couldn't restrain themselves, which is another thing that we, I think we can come back to a little bit later because, yeah, nobody sets out to make a a bad movie, and nobody sets out to make a movie that nobody responds to people definitely respond to this one and you know i think i think the one word re- reviews were interesting because there was surprisingly more like okay-ish mm. words than there were just you know shite, which is yeah. yeah
2: no i think you're right mm. it's, it's the enjoyable thing that comes back there were a few of those and after watching it i think yeah i can i can see that because i wasn't we watched flyboys a couple of weeks ago and i was sitting i think i cannot get through this like i cannot i can't I can't be doing with it. You know, I wanted to put a metal spike through my skull to to end the suffering. But with this one, I'm like, yep, yeah, cool. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens to these people because they're just infinitely more likable than anyone in Flyables was.
3: I had a similar experience there where I was like, I remember this not being great, but let's go into it. So I watched it and I and I, I enjoyed it, you know, it, as, as a film. It was fine. But I'm mm. wondering now, now that, now that you've said that, has the fact that we watched Flyboys last week really coloured how we've viewed this film? Like, <laughs> yeah, has it, it altered? Have. Has it shifted the scale for us? If we hadn't no, seen Flyboys hate... last week, would we be going? This is fucking mm. awful.
2: Well, I always hated Flyboys, but I'd only ever seen like bits of this because I, I, mm-hmm. I, my earliest memory of it was my uncle had it on DVD, and at the time he had he was the guy with the Blu-ray player. He was the guy with the surround right. sound, so yeah. he was like, "Oh, check out." check out the sound on this and we watched some of the aerial sequences and I was like oh that looks good but then I went to uni and completely forgot that you know wars and films existed for like three years because I was trying to become an actor um and then I came back to this movie like what two weeks ago and I was like actually it's all right you know I've got gripes but it's all right
4: that that's that's the thing Lucasfilm missed the poster should have said red tails better than flyboys and, yeah, they would have made a fortune. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, it's not got James Franco in it. And I'm oh. like,
4: ooh. <laughs> so in terms,
3: in, in terms of cast, I, I'll run through them. But, it's again, it's an ensemble cast. So, I mean, we, we talked about um, Battle of Britain last week, and that was a, a huge ensemble cast. And we've got kind of the same thing going on here. So there's certain characters in there that get a little bit more screen time than others. They all, I think, all in all, they do a really good job with what they're given. So we have Terence Howard as Colonel A.J. Bullard. Um, in terms of previous war movies, his main one would be Heart's War in 2002. Um, and then he was also in The Butler in 2013 a historical drama. Uh, we've got uh, Cooper Gooding Jr. as a Major Stance. Um, he was in the 1995 uh, Tuskegee uh, Airmen uh, TV movie. Uh, he was also in uh, Men of Honor in 2000, Pearl Harbor in 2001, uh, The Way of War in 2009. And then this is really his first non-director DVD or video film in quite a while um, because of various things. And and then he was also in The Butler in 2013. It's going to be a recurring thing because there's a number of members of this cast that pop up again later on. Uh, Nate Parker as uh, Captain... Easy uh, Martin Easy Julian um he was in the Tunnel Rats in 2008 a Vietnam war movie um and has directed and starred uh, in uh, Birth of a Nation in 2016 uh David Alwayo uh as Lightning um the first, first lieutenant Joe Lightning who is another one of those key um, main players uh, he was in Last King of Scotland, uh, The Butler, and uh, had an extensive voice role in Star Wars Rebels as well. a Little um, Star Wars link there. Tristan um, Wilde's plays. I think he did. Yeah. I can't remember. I haven't watched yeah. it in quite a while, but he's in like he's in he at least did. twenty episodes.
2: He's great. British actor yeah. as well. And I yeah. had to go and check that he was British because I was like, hang on, that, that his British accent must be fantastic. So I was like, I didn't know he's American, yeah. and I got to go the other way around. It was
3: amazing, great acting. Um, who else have we got? Then we have a, a run of um, rappers and singers, which make nice inclusion, and they do they do an absolutely fine job in terms of acting, which can't always be said is something that is an easy transition to make. Looking at Harry Styles, <clears throat> um, we've got um, <laughs> Neo as, <laughs> so as <close>. Smokey. <laughs> you can't resist it. Um, who no, was uh, also Specs in uh, Battle Los Angeles um, in 2011 um uh, elijah kelly as joker um also in the butler in 2013 marcus t polk who was the deacon or um deke um we've got leslie uh odom jr who was declan winky hall uh he was in harriet in 2019 and also hamilton in 2020 um and michael beecher yeah and then we've got uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, as as Bumps, Maurice Bumps Wilson, who yeah. is, I think, I think he's the first of the airmen to to die in action. Mm. Um,
2: it's funny because he's the star, isn't it? He? Like he's a proper star now mm. and he's like jostled in right in the middle. I'm like, it's Michael B. Jordan. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> I'm getting Loads to get out of him movies. in a minute. Yeah. Absolutely.
4: They, 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 see it. Yeah, oh. so, Sorry, Matt. Sorry. Go on. No, Look no. I, 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 I've got it. Mike, you Right now, when this film's getting made, he's just appeared in Friday Night Lights. He's the yep. he's the new quarterback for, for East Dillon. He's just made Fruitville Station and he's coming off the back of, I think he's only in The Wire for the last season and he doesn't make it to yeah. the end of the season if memory serves, right? And he then, he's one of these actors that as soon as he shows up in this, because he literally walks in and goes, hi, everybody takes the piss out of him. And then you don't see him again until he's dead. Yeah. Spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, right? But as soon yeah. as he walks in, there's there's him and Leslie Odom Jr. The camera just gravitates to them, and that's something that you know Jordan has in spades. And you know, there's mm-hmm. this 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 cat. Well, go on, Matt. I, I, I'm 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 going to stop because I, I love him. I think he's I he's think great. He's, just he's incredible. Really
3: good. Yeah. With, with, within the next two years, he's in uh, half a dozen Marvel movies. and You know, Creed, Space Creed, Jam 2, yeah. Fahrenheit 451. Yeah.
2: His 1. cameo in that, his cameo in Space Jam 2 is the best part of that movie. Exactly, I had to throw Daffy it in. Like, that's why, that's why it's in there. I Jordan, Rob. <laughs> he comes in, and they're like, who's this? He's like, I'm Michael B. Jordan. Great cameo, great And he's cameo. also
3: part owner of um, uh, AFC Bournemouth. Who's he now? I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. Yep. According to Wikipedia, hands of God, that I mean. I cherry. On wow. I haven't Amazing. I, I haven't been keeping up with my, you know, my Bournemouth um backroom <laughs> staff, but you know, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what the internet tells me. Wow. Then we've got Method Man as Corporal Sticks. Um Incredible. Incredible. You know, Grammy award oh. winning rapper just knocking it out of the park again. I
4: I, sw- I swear he's only in it in like one scene when he sticks his head around like four the four or something. Yeah. And he's yeah. just like, he's,
3: dude. He,
2: yeah, he pulls a bit of like pipe out of a kitty hawk, and i he was does. like, "I don't have face."
3: Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he he says, "Did you? Did someone throw a train at you?" I think is his like only line. Yeah,
4: yeah. but it's it's so a good he, scene. He's got the one when the mustangs shown up when it's like you know yeah black, uh, black when pilots and red tails. tails uh, you know, there's you can't say we're not distinctive or yeah. something like that. Bad line, but he delivers it really well.
2: But Method Man is insane to be in this movie. Sorry, it's just,
4: it's.
3: It just, is. I'm anyway, so excited when I saw it. Then we've got then <laughs> we've got Brian Cranston playing the the evil Southern U.S. Army Colonel, Saving Private Ryan, Argo, North and South in the '80s, um, some of his roles. But everyone knows him for Breaking Bad, Malcolm in the Middle. You know, if you don't know who Brian Cranston is, I mean, where have you been in the last? I know, right? Years?
4: To, be, to um, be fair, my favorite Brian Cranston roles when he shows up in, in How I Met Your Mother as the the phallic obsessed architect it's right. comedy it's comedy gold he's fantastic there you go.
2: i like when he just pops up in same private ryan for like two minutes because it's yes. so weird yeah. i think it
4: everybody is. pops up and save it private ryan for two they do, minutes they? Nathan, yeah but i still think nathan
3: fillion steals the show <laughs> is brian yeah. cranston the method man of saving private ryan
2: oh he might Ooh. be yeah he could might be couldn't he? yeah yeah good show
4: good show yeah, That's true
3: um, just to no, round out, we, we've got um, <laughs> Andre Royo as as Coffee, the the aircraft ground crew um, sergeant, and then we've got uh, Daniela Rua as Sophia, the love interest for um, Junior, uh, not Junior, Lightning. Lightning, yeah, yeah.
4: And that basically rounds out a very big cast. We, we've just got to give Huge. a shout out to Gerald McRaney, who uh,
3: absolutely as yeah. as, um, as General Luntz, yeah. yeah
4: it's a very yeah, very yeah. very small role but he you know he you know he's, he, he died a few years ago now didn't he but he's mm. one of those people that sort of makes everything a little bit better when he shows up
3: yeah he has gravitas mm. doesn't he he's got yeah. he's got a real presence and he he, he plays that um almost fatherly mm. sort of uh, paternal yeah. general character really quite well um yeah. uh, his scenes it, with movies. with Terence Howard are quite are quite good actually mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, this is one of the few films where I really did like Terence Howard in because I'm usually not a huge fan of his work, but it's one of the few ones where I think actually you they did cast well. And this my whole my one of my crux of the movies is where of this film is that the cast is far better than anything else going on, really. Mm. And it without this cast, this move this film would be hundred times worse.
4: You you couldn't put this cast together today for all the no. money okay you could get Nate parker for various for reasons bus, yeah. yeah for <laughs> bus fare these days um but you know the rest of them not a chance any anywhere cuz yeah, what i know we're going to get into this but you just look at no, that cast fine. list and you're like wow and it all comes yeah, down to yeah. script and other things but yeah
2: but i yeah. i but it, it shows it sorry
4: no 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 go on mate
2: That's right. No, it just it just shows how the like for me that the passion project thing comes through That you know, Lucas or the casting director under Lucas's vision or whoever's vision has gone out and said, right, I want the top chaps for this. I don't want the B list. I don't want the C list. I want the up and comers. I want the the guys who are going to really carry this movie. And it feels like they got their first their first picks for a lot of the guys.
4: What, uh, you know, watching all the the little special featurey things on this, you know, Lucas was a wire fan. He wanted Hemingway because mm-hmm. he directed that most of the last few episodes of it. And he said to him, I want those kids. So Hemingway basically ran, rang round mm. all the guys of being. Because you, you know, you've got um uh, uh Tristan McWilde's as well. Um, who who who's in the wire. He was he was great in the wire because he was Michael, Michael Michael, um Michael Lee, yeah, yeah, Lee, who gets who I'm not. i I'm, I'm happy to spoil this film. I'm not going to spoil the wire if you haven't seen it. It's heartbreaking <laughs> what happens to him, but you know it, it's it. Oh, it's it. Yeah. You just it. Put it this: Marvel money can't get you this cast now. Yeah, no, not
2: now. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. no, I think you're right. It's In parallel, if yeah,
4: if we
3: look at the Tuskegee Airmen movie of '95, you've got mm. Lawrence Fishburne, Cuba Gooding Jr., Andre Brower, Courtney B. Vance, Mel, uh, John Lithgow. Um, and, and that's a really strong cast too.
4: So, Shout out yeah. to McDo- Christopher McDonald as well, <laughs> and Christopher McDonald as uh,
3: yeah, as the as the um, major. Yeah, and it, it's
4: mm. it, that
3: I I think this is way off cast now, but you can consider Red Tails almost as the sequel to that movie um, mm. in a way. And I that's fair. It's been a few years since I've seen that movie. But it always stuck with me as being a really quite workmanlike, really well made um movie that tries to tell the story in a bit more detail,
4: like their origin.
2: And and, and I couldn't that, find it to watch it before it, this, sorry.
4: You, you you can get it on DVD. the D V D is really expensive of it. Um the oh, wow. Yeah. And the the thing. Expensive as in we're used to now spending like a few quid on the DVD. Right, still, I get it. Yeah. This is like 15 pounds. My goodness. Um the thing that that film does well is its budget dictates it has to be set in Alabama. Yeah. Right. That's true. So it's just the bit at the end, which is basically the Berlin raid um at, at the end. And it's better for it because you understand what these guys are willing to do to become fighter pilots. Red Tails fails because they in I feel they introduce these guys wrong. Well, they yes. don't really introduce them at all, do they? It, exactly, right? You're oh my you're, god, you're gonna hate my favorite scene then. No, <laughs> no that, that's fine. Yeah, my my This
2: is gonna I, be good.
4: <laughs> I, I I we're probably jumping all over the place now. But, and, but the, the thing the thing is, right? Your first introduction to these guys is bored in P40s on an interdiction yeah right which in italy is the vital stuff because it's all about supply right so this movie starts in 1944 so you have essentially this is the same time as catch-22 set right yeah it's it's that period so you are months away from the battle of berner pass you've got um Basically, uh, you know, it, the timelines in this are all over the place. Like, you know, there's, suddenly it's Anzio and then it's like months later, but then it's back in the space. It's nuts. But this this idea of them flying clapped out, hand me down P-40s.
3: Yeah, literally said in in dialogue.
4: Yeah. happening. You know, yeah. The P-40 stayed around in the MTO for as long as it did because it was really good at doing that sort of thing especially the later models heavily armed heavily armored and you know basically you can hit him with a wrench and it bursts back into life again it's a classic curses fighter and you know i i i know the p51 is sexy i know it's you know the cadillac of the sky all of that bit yeah but it introduces them as not the college educated highly selected Group of pilots who knew exactly what they were there to do. Which is why the far better documentary that Lucasfilm made at the same time as this movie is called Double Victory. Right. That's on YouTube. Go watch it. It's incredible. And we're going to come to this again later. You can tell what some of the problems with this film is because on that video the comments are turned off. Right. (laughs) right okay. so so yeah, yeah. so it, it's me jumping around. but you know it's it's i i just feel that what the tuskegee airmen did really really well was show how hard these guys had to fight to get into the cockpit in the first place let alone get p40s let alone be deployed that's the thing that i think is missing because it's a lot of the pilots in this come across as top gunny. And I mean that in a derogatory term, because, you, you know, pilots don't act like Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. We kind of wish they might, because that would be cooler, but they're pros. These guys come mm. across as movie movie pilots. They're cliches,
2: aren't yeah. they? Really? They're just cliched characters.
4: The, the actors are too good for that.
2: It is. And, and that's one of the criticisms at the time. People were saying it was too top gun. Well, it shouldn't have been, Um, and I completely see that as well. Um, But anyway, talk about Kitty Hawks there, I think we should move on to the Alley Tally this week.
0: It's time for Alley Tally on Fighting on Film.
2: So, as always,
4: uh, we let our guest kick off the Alley Tally. Matt, the floor is yours. I really like the kitty hawk. I think I think some of the best bits, Same. The best bits in this movie, are before they get the, the P fifty ones. Um, the my my big gripe about airplane movies is yeah we're sitting here on Zoom right there's the three of us that is the shot of every pilot in a cockpit in every airplane movie ever made. It's God, that,
3: shoulder that's going to make all podcasting sound way more exciting than it is.
4: Well, it's three good-looking chaps <laughs> with headphones on here. Oh, they, yeah. We should have the videos recording. But, you know, it, it, it's that, right? So it's it's this it's a very that good point. He, yeah, head and shoulders back onto yeah. the... um uh, Nolan plays with it in Dunkirk by putting the camera quite low down. So you're sort of looking out of the, mm. the top or you're looking mm. in... Mm. Which I really liked. Not a film I like, but those angles mm-hmm. were were great and how they did it, all of that. Yeah. But the thing that's great about in this is you get to see one of the features that curtis put in that whole r- range of fighters which was the cutout on the razor back behind it. so in a spitfire and a hurricane it's quite a high almost like um, a racing car like rollover hood that's behind curtis cut that back so you've got these two sort of indents going behind um, the rear fuselage they just give really really good rearward facing visibility um another film actually does it quite well is um uh, flying leathernecks back in the day because you you get some um, not uh, flying tigers even um which they they've got that as well only it's cut like massively big it's funny um but you know <laughs> i think that shows that you know if you know you know the, the kitty hog these sort of things it had great visibility it was yeah couldn't climb worth a dam but it could dive really well and it could turn pretty well which is which is why it was so useful against the zeros because they switched the tactics around to make sure that it didn't get into a, a sort of climbing or or, or turning back. Even though I said it was good at turning. It is. But it's just those scenes that, you know, when they're you know we will not talk about the accuracy of that train blowing up, but that scene is pretty good fun. And again, that's it's full of what, it, full of explosives, that train. Yeah, even apparently yeah, the engine,
3: the engine was full of explosions. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah.
4: <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that in scenes. But you know, it's that low level thing that's what the Kitty Hawks were doing. Um, you know, mm. over, over Salerno, there was waves of them because it's got good range, it's got a good loiter. The Allison um engine in the front of it, much like the, the 1710 that was in the um uh, early Mustangs as well, you throttle that thing back and you can go forever, right? It's yeah, you know, it's it's great that's base of it is really, really good. But the problem is they're just dogging on it in the whole time. Cause in the story, they have to get the mustangs. They have to get the mustangs. Yeah. Um, and you know, in real life, they get uh, P 39 air Cobras, they get P 47s. You know, it's not this jump from the P 40 to the P 51 D cause they get, they get B's and C's, um, mm. beforehand as well. Um, but again you listen to the all the little extras and it's basically george lucas beating off over mustangs um yeah
2: he is he really is like when yeah. i was young it's the best part it was the plain the hair and i'm like okay
4: that's he's nice a, but come on he's a man who shaped my childhood and i hate him <laughs>
2: <laughs> i get it yeah yeah it, uh, uh, you no, know. i get it. it's like um if for me it's it's it, for, for him for lucas it feels like this is what you know uh sam prior ryan was for spielberg i want to remake those movies i grew up with um and it it feels the same way and i'm i'm with you on the kitty Hawk my my pick this week was the kitty Hawk because you rarely see like other american fighters in any media apart from the the, the the mustang i mean maybe back in the 40s 50s you know they they, they did yeah. but not after you know maybe the the 80s 90s it feels like it's the only, Spiel, the only spielberg thing
4: going. spielberg and ray hannah rule ruined it for empire of the sun right as soon as you yeah, to, to be, that's it yeah. that's probably the the benchmark
2: point. As, yeah. as
4: as soon as ray Hanna skip bombs that hangar and then flies back waving at christian bell every second world war movie has to have a stripped all metal p51d that's it it's spielberg's fault and it's ray ray hannah's as well not that i will ever say anything bad against ray because you can hear that a a, a a god steven you're on
2: blast yes
4: but yeah but that that's it and i think even the flying scenes with the p40 are better but again we're we're doing doing the kit bit there's lots of trucks in this so i assume you guys are going to like the trucks of course i am yeah
2: (laughs) why why would i not nobody no i just like seeing the kitty horse because it's completely different to uh to to what you see. I mean, the Kitty Hawks in Pearl Harbor as well. Um I we like don't talk uh, about I like that. seeing no no we don't. No, not really. <laughs> um we've done it twice. We're not doing it again. Um <laughs> I like um
4: how do you think we're ending Aviation remade... April Rob?
2: Oh god Matt no please just, I'll get that just, melt spike just, out again just do um, do
4: do mid do midway again and you'll be fine. Oh Christ. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I like the fact they made the Kitty Hawk replica to go on the gimbal. You know they're <laughs> not cheaping out with you know, like just a little bit of the cockpit. They were making the whole thing to show, and I think that really enriches the movie. Another thing I'll I'll quickly go into before I let uh, Mr Moss get involved um, is the mise-en-scene. I'm nicking it off Matt this week. (laughs) Um, Everything about the the scenery is fantastic. The sets look very Mm -hmm. detailed. There's these little personalizations in there. that You blink, you miss them. You know, they've all got their own flying jackets. They're personalised. The ground crew in HBTs, the ground crew in... Uh, hot weather caps they're in uh, winter uh, jumpers and and winter uniforms when it should be colder all those tiny little things there that make a movie for me from a kit point of view the war progresses the kit progresses it's a really nice little thing not many films do it because they don't have the budget this one does um and that's another it will come back in final thoughts but because the production value is so high and i really enjoyed it it's a detriment to everything else um and in terms of trucks there's jeeps there's dodge wc-52s there's dodge ambulances brilliant to see them i thought they might have been a short canadian wheelbase uh dodge in the <laughs> background because my dad used to have one and i was oh, obsessed yeah. over whether it was yes, he
4: would
3: have been happy
2: um yeah but it wasn't it was a, it was a wc-52 the angle was just weird that it was uh, shot at so okay. it wasn't um, we, no, we, we pause
4: these it. movies in completely different places <laughs> <laughs>
2: and the the Germans on the ground look fine you know they're in field gray uniforms and I'll let them off it's a very 40s trope but they look okay to me I'm not a Kriegsmarine guy not Kriegsmarine Christ I'm not a Luftwaffe guy I wouldn't know what a Luftwaffe ground crew looked like I'm sure it's fine I like seeing the German um fire brigade putting out fires that was nice because you never see that um but it looked okay to me you know I'm not we haven't seen this much German, German airfield
3: kit. since um or Eagles Dare.
2: Oh no, we <laughs> haven't actually. Yeah, it's very true. It's very rare you get to see a German airstrip yep. in anything. So it, it was nice to see it. That's that's my Alitali, really. I love the mise en scène this week. I think it's fantastic. The, the mise en scene yours. is nice.
3: I agree. It, 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 um, it, it's um it's a it's um it's one of the pluses of this film, definitely. Mm. Um, in terms of Alitali for me, simple it's Junior's Book Rogers x-38 disintegrator that he has in his flying jacket there's a good there's very a good cool. look job yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a nice and I, th- I feel like that's another lucas thing that he's he's wanting to get in there as like a little nod back to what he remembers from his childhood and that kind of nostalgia for um early sci-fi and that kind of thing
4: the the, the, the only thing i'd say about all the kit is they are very clean throughout it mm. it looks worn But, you know, Ramatelli was an ALG. It was the Foggia complex was built really, really quickly. It was really muddy. I don't like the way all those airplanes are all lined up perfectly right next to the runway, both on the German airfield Mm. and the American one. That's not what Ramatelli looked like at all. But that's by the by. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's, yeah. But you're watching it, and you're right. The mayor, the, the, I can't say it, but because everyone has to drink whenever Matt says, scene." <laughs> <all seen>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, the way we go. Um,
2: <laughs> the foff whiskey stocks are running dry. Oh I my think. god, get in our t-shirt already! <laughs> Come on.
4: <laughs> but yeah, that, that that's just that's the thing. Is they they look great. They're just a bit clean. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the, the the funny thing is, is what watching bits of um the other Tuskegee Airmen movie. All this stuff is like box fresh in that. There's the scene when uh, the bomber pilots show up going, who are the guys that saved us on that? Their, their sheepskin jackets are like perfect. Yeah. Zero <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. They're Just literally taking them out of the plastic and said, okay, boys, put this on, drive in, do your bit and go. It's not that bad because, um, you know, David O'Yellow Yellow's got an absolutely incredible A2 with the, the hand-painted mm. Uh, uh, mm. Ni- 90, 90, um, 99th on it. Um, it's, you know, th- those touches are really great. And um, there's enough of them, especially the, the sort of scenes when like the, the squadron are together and things like that, where, you, like you said, you can pick out little individ- individualizations that they have because that mm. was basically... For the pilots and the ground crews that was the only thing they could really put their own stamp on um yeah the you know, everyone goes on about nose art and things like that but really um if if you want to get into a really interesting look at air crew and ground crew is look at the painted jackets um because mm-hmm. they tell incredible stories um because yeah uh, yeah the, uh, okay i'm gonna I'm going to throw this in right. At Pima Air and Space Museum, friends of mine, there's the 390th Bomb Group Museum, and they have a whole display of their A2s and the sheepskin ones, the A-somethings, all of them, and they're all painted. And um, chatting to the guys there, you know, he says, in all the ones they have in stores, it's usually naked ladies on the back of them, because when you're 19 and it's 1944, you've not seen a naked lady so you're probably going to paint one on your jacket to show that yeah you know, i'm not just 19 or 20 i'm i am a man and there's lots of little yeah. things throughout red tails when the camera's doing the long shots of stuff of guys with personalized things and it's it is a mm. really nice touch um mm-hmm. i know we're even gonna in
2: the... sorry yeah no but jumping off that even in the scene what well, i was gonna mention it, the, the gun cam theater um mm-hmm. where they're having a, a watch at the, the gun cam footage which is really well done actually i think that's probably a nice little thing as well. Um, if you look if you like a screen grab of the chaps watching that, you know guys have got their hats, the peaks. Since 2013, Bombus has
0: donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness.
1: Cut
2: peaks down, guys got flaps down, you know, the different way of wearing their jacket. You know, some have pipes, some have cigars, some have cigarettes. All this little stuff that really helps a movie like this, especially when the script isn't the best. You can enjoy m- more that's going on. It's, you know, people always go about, oh, Kit and Banner Brothers really elevates it. Well, this is another thing where the kit really yeah. elevates the, the viewing experience. Even if you don't know cerebrally, you will be seeing it and nobody not like in what's the booming film oh the one about the one about
3: the one about the the stuff and the things
2: oh that one (laughs) yeah 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 no no you know the one i mean it's not hamburger hill directed by the same director john irvin mid-90s hbo come on help me out
3: oh what 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 are we talking about here what war
2: world war ii okay
3: Okay. Oh, oh um oh the, uh, the the one where in the in the forest in the winter, that one,
4: yes, that oh, one. that one. Um, oh, oh now we're all doing it. it. This is this is great radio, ladies and gentlemen. This, if you're listening to this, uh, this, everyone's is, uh, gonna, this enjoy, everyone's gonna this. enjoy listening. I yeah. no, don't know, like,
3: this is gold, Rob. Leave yeah, this,
4: this in, stick in because we're all I can I can see that. Um, it's not Saints and uh, Soldiers because that's that's the Spike Lee one, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, um, when, the Trump heck, is
2: fight. when Trump yes, is, yeah, 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 yeah. There you
3: go, yes.
2: So it's not like to crikey to get back on track there to. You know, get the prop and all this baby back on track. It's like when trumpets fade, um, where they all look like they're out of the packet. They all look like um, army men, soldiers with like one ammo belt. It's not like that. I'm glad it's not like that. Yeah. It's not like
3: PT-216. No. Where they're wearing molly. Molly and modern prescription sunglasses. You see, the thing is about this film, it's coming from Lucas and Lucas's production crews. So the detail is always going to be pretty good because I mean, if you if you, like, if you look at other films he's been involved in, in in terms of production, they've all they're always the mise en scène is always quite good. Um, so uh, it's it's not a huge surprise that it's one of the film's few strengths. That's for sure. Yeah,
4: you're you're, you're, you're bang on because all all Lucas films have. Good stuff in the background. Granted, they've they've taken that a bit far with the the Easter egg hunts on the TV shows now and, and stuff. But yeah, you, you think mm. uh, yeah Raiders I think is possibly the most perfect movie yeah. ever made. Yeah, um, and oh, the yeah. sumptuous the mise en scène yeah, in those films cool. is yeah. sumptuous, and very it, good. Yeah, because it, it's it's like um it, in the when the camera pans around the antique shop when they've gone to the old guy who does the you know reading thing. They're digging in the wrong yeah. place. Favorite bit of the movie. Um, as if you start pausing that there's loads of stuff and yes there's like r2d2 and and c3po in in like brass and you look for those things but just the they haven't skimped on a panning shot Mm. and it's Mm. it's it's the same here it's like when they're um in easy and lightning's hut which again is very very tidy but yeah there's just yeah there's 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 good quality stuff lying around to make you think Okay, yeah, fine. Which was one of the saving graces of um, um, the new Catch Twenty Two was that the tents in that had fantastic set dressing for just the chaos that put it here. Whereas yeah. in this, in that, yeah, you know, that was the whole point of 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 that book was it was just nuts and everybody was a bit mad. So therefore, everything around them was a bit mad. Here, these are ordered guys, but this is also their space. But it's it's that sort of thing that just makes you go, oh, okay. Yeah, fine. is is there? I I I have listened to this show for long enough. But I don't know. Is there an anti-ally tally? Because there's one thing I really want to complain about right now.
3: You can have it. You just go for it. Of course, it's fine. It fits in perfectly with the ethos of the ITies. You can complain about stuff Hubert
4: Gooding Junior.'s bloody pipe. Really?
3: Oh,
2: really? Is it not good?
4: <laughs> okay, whoever in that if he showed up and went, guys i'm gonna have a pipe even if it's your character is based on this gentleman he smoked a sherlock holmes pipe there you go <laughs> there should have been someone on that set to go bit much cuba bit much because in every scene it's him going ha, yeah i knew that i knew they had it in. and mm. it,
3: it, he's it, giving it the pure macarthur like he's giving it Gregory <laughs> a Peck in bit. MacArthur, isn't he?
4: Is it the Simpsons when Bart does the to camera thing and he's got the bubble the bubble pipe oh, Yeah, which <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. Not. It's because yeah, like, yeah. the thing is never lit. <laughs> I think there's like one shot of it actually smoking. And the rest of the time it's him just going, ha and sticking it in the side of his face. You're like <laughs> there's the scene when he does the speech, you know, the you're the your fighter pilots now, which actually is a really well written scene because it's filling in a lot of the stuff that they've skipped, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's the one scene he doesn't have the pipe until he walks out the door at the back, and it works, right? The rest of the time, any scene when Cuba doesn't have a pipe in this movie, he's believable as an officer. As soon as he's got a pipe, you're like dude it's just like he's like going look at me i'm in uniform and i've got a pipe because i don't have I a plane in notice. this movie <laughs> I <must> oh, admit. <laughs> seriously you're gonna watch it now and you're gonna you know because because i come back to this film reasonably often right because i've got this thing in my head which is the david Baum paradox right so david Baum is the sub lantern that uh, went into u fifty. Night, whichever one, and got the, the code books and the okay. um, Enigma machine off of. The, he was a on on Bulldog, right? Bon Jovi, right? Yeah. In, in Fascinating terms. man. Yeah. Incredible, <laughs> incredible, incredible life afterwards. He was the historical advisor on U571, right? He yeah. was the guy and he supported, helped, and worked with everybody on that film because, in his words, we're not going to make this movie. I might as well help someone tell a story that may make people look at ours, right? Mm-hmm. That was his exact line yeah, when he that, was inter- yeah. interviewed for it. And ever since I said that, I, I watch a movie like this going, they're trying to do something here. So, give, and I'll give it a couple years and I'll come back to Red Tails and I'll watch it and I'll be left a bit flat because it it's not far off being really good. It's just yeah. you know it's it's you know it's missing the putt a couple inches to the right. Because you know this 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 is not a high point in cinema. Let's that's, that's not beat around the bush. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no. it's it's you know, it's it's missing an inch left or right. That's that's all it is, but unfortunately, it's consistently missing it just by enough that when it all adds up, it gets a bit what it is.
3: Before we dissect what's wrong with the film, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes. Hello, Robbie here. Did you know you can support the podcast on Patreon? Join
2: the supporting cast today and gain access to exclusive perks, such as discount codes, our monthly Patreon film votes, and the chance to get exclusive merchandise before anyone else. Search Fighting On Film on Patreon or find the link on our website. Thank you.
3: Now back to the show. Matt, you go first. What is your favourite scene from this film?
4: I really like the train scene.
3: I would agree. Same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, we all,
2: pick we haven't
4: all picked that. all picked
3: that. Kind we? of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I oh, could that's throw
4: a I, one. To be fair, the bar's not high.
3: <laughs> not really. I found it incredibly hard to pick a favourite scene. I'll be honest. Um, purely because the film just seems to amble through. Um, and I, I'll talk a bit more about this when I come to my criticism later. But it almost feels like there's very, very few stakes right up until maybe like the third act where they go, oh, Lightning's going to get married. Oh, June Junior, Junior Junior's going to fly again. You know, and it, it's kind yeah. of like, okay, now You can't now have stakes. happiness
2: in a film. You can't yeah. have happiness for war, war character, military so characters, military characters in a movie. It, it's, Killing.
3: It, it ambles along quite nicely in terms of pace. So I, I found it hard to pick a specific, mm. but carry on, Matt.
4: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pick up on that because I, I agree with you. And I also think it ambles, but at a really strange pace, as in Mm -hmm. lots of stuff is happening, but nothing is progressing. Anyways, we'll come back to that. Train scene, right, is really good fun. Yeah, I'm a typhoon guy, Tempest guy. I spend a lot of time looking at footage of guys shooting up trains. Dear friend Phil Blood will then have his rant about how They didn't shoot up nearly as many as everybody says because he's a train guy and he's done the math, right? (laughs) I don't care. There is something great about (laughs) watching a train getting shot up by an airplane. It's...
2: um, Oh, it's fab, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's
4: great. (laughs) The only time I've seen it done better is in... I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a a Czech film called Dark Blue World. Yes. Yeah. And they basically blew the budget on having MH434, which is the famous Mark 9 Spit, buzzing a train that they then blow up, right? The entire budget of the film essentially went on that scene. And it's great in this they literally have all the toys in the world to do it and they do a pretty good job yeah you know, the the flak 38s on the back of the train look good mm-hmm. they've got um they're they're box loaded so they're about age appropriate as well for say a, a, a 4344 so the thing that lots of people don't realize is a lot of the flak weapons that the Germans had weren't belt fed there's literally a guy chucking single rounds into a hopper which is then getting injected in into the into right. the breach of the weapon. Um so it's not till really, really late that they actually have a semi-belt fed weapon. So you know they've got the big box on the side. So that's where the, the gray the gray thing is off on there. They've got the this the the the, the um the shield coming up on the front which is the mesh thing. It looks really, really good. The only time it doesn't quite work is when both guns turn because lightning's coming in low down the front of the train, which nobody would do because it doesn't. It's not. You're taking a, a small target because again, it's ladies and smaller. gentlemen, it's really hard to hit things with guns, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. We we we've all like gone on the range and and, and fired Leinfelds and things like that at 300 yards with like no wind and someone behind you holding you steady. It's still bloody hard to get anywhere near a bull unless you're well, well, when you're traveling at 250, 300 miles an hour, somebody's shooting at you, you're 20 odd years of age, and you're like high on all the adrenaline that your body can pump, pump out at any one time. It's mm. hard to hit something. So, you know, the, the whole, you know, we got to come in low from the front. though, no, just, you know, that's the other thing, right? These guys break formation so often. Oh, oh we'll I know. come back to, oh, we'll come back to that. Side. But that train scene is great because they attack it. They're, you know, they are having trouble with the flak because a defended train is an incredibly hard thing to hit because A, it's moving, B, someone shooting at you, and you've got to get through that and hit the one thing that probably is going to stop it. Because if you can stop the train, it's an easy target. Then you can fly up and shoot shoot up the rest of it. Yeah. But that scene is is done well because it's one of the few times, coming back to your P-40 on a gimbal where the camera movements are outside and around the cockpit. So as Mm. they're banking in later in the movie, it cuts to wide shots of like planes doing synchronized half rolls and things like that. To show
2: off the P-51s being cool. That's why. Exactly.
4: Whereas in this, there are quite almost Dunkirk-esque camera moves around the Mm. cockpit as they're like banking and they're looking and things. So you, you it's, it's my favorite scene because it's, it's actually showing a slight reality of the difficulty of of doing something. Yes, they've been cl- they're complaining about strafing and things like that. Watch the the double victory, um, documentary because they basically go that job was awful because it was dangerous. All of the Tuskegee Airmen that they interviewed going like that was the worst thing we had to do. Whereas these guys are going oh it's a train that showed it up because we're bored. Yeah. No, you know you've met these guys. Yeah. They've told you about it. Play the scene right, um, but it's 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 a. We can it's only, a fun, you
2: can only say the lines you've been given, I guess, as well. Yeah, don't um, don't don't bump into no, the I, furniture. Yeah, exactly. I, I jump off it um, as well because, yeah, I agree. It's my favourite scene. I I like it for different reasons. I Obviously, like you know, the shooting up the train sequence looks fantastic. You know, the CG is really good when it's really good in this. Um, but I wish that they wouldn't have had that weird, um sequence with the b-17s and the p-51s peeling off over the the title screen i wish they'd just cut to smash cut to this this part of it learning the chaps seeing them doing their patrolling seeing them attacking their train because uh, what what, what was that what were their b-17s who were those guys too late don't worry here's your ADR guys. awful
3: in that awful
2: what are you doing I don't understand. I mean, the, so I the, wish that the I... bomber
3: crew's yeah. voices in that sequence are so flat.
2: It's really bizarre. it's, and it's
3: jarring. Like... It, you're sat there like, I oh wow, this is doing. not how you open a film. Because it looks yeah, brilliant, it looks great and all, but like
2: yeah.
3: the, the voiceover. Mm.
2: It's weird, isn't it?
3: For me, I mean, my my other thing I was gonna mention was the the impressive effect that six fifty car machine guns have on a light cruiser. <laughs>
2: I love that. I unashamedly I, I love that sequence. Hate that. You know,
3: like every element of that just makes no sense.
2: I loved it because I knew what. Even t- that. even
3: twenty millimeter cannons wouldn't have that effect on an armored light yeah, cruiser. Exactly. No wonder the didn't have a great record because <laughs> they were too busy getting shot up by <laughs> six fifty caliber machine guns, and the whole ship blows up. But
2: in the ma- yeah, okay, right. But okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off. I'm gonna get. I read on it lovingly
3: because it's a very nicely yeah. made sh- like sequence, but. Completely yeah, I love that
2: sequence because when he went for that ship, I was like, Right, he's a goner, he's gonna get hit by one of them anti aircraft rounds, and he's done. Oh, he's right? gonna get
3: an answer from Sophia first, Rob, of course.
2: But then yeah. he, he goes in and he blows it up, and I'm like, That's bloody great. I loved it, I thought it was hilarious, I Thought and um, fun. Just oh, fun. ship's like fun gone boom, love movie. it, nice, yeah, like it, yeah. yeah. My brain was like, Explosions, great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in the Mandalorian, when Mando <laughs> in his tiny Naboo. Tricked out in a starfighter, takes on an imperial cruiser and blows it to kingdom You mean the P fifty one space? We're fine Rob. with that. Exactly. Yeah, P fifty one of the of the republic. Yeah, when that happens, we're fine with it. it. For me, this is like the most Star Warsy part of the
3: movie. Yeah, but the P fifty one the P fifty one doesn't have on proton hit. torpedoes, Rob. That's why. At least the the, the, has, the starfighter has torpedo.
2: Ah, you know, it's great. It was hunky, right. but I loved it.
4: Sorry. so there, there is there is a great book by um Daniel Holman which is basically misconceptions about the Tuskegee Airmen right and the, the book when you look at it you think oh it's just going to be him dunking on it it's not it's him doing the math right and it's based on um, two papers he did for the Air Force Historical Research agency um in 2010 and he the, the one I'm looking at now is the the July 2013 one right and he's got 25 24 misconceptions right Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send this to you it's, it's funny because it's literally the script of red tails <laughs> 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 right because it's like uh uh so you've got um th- so the first few are, are the yeah, M- misconception of inferiority which is it's right to open the movie on the 1923 report that said that uh negroes were basically cowards right yes which yeah that is, is
2: really hard hitting
4: yeah i really mm-hmm. like that and it's I've, I've 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 read articles on that and it's it it's nuts because the thing is this the reports written 1923 so 1922 that they're doing the study this is only about four or five years after the 369th and the 370th that had fought with incredible distinction on the western front yeah harlem hellfighters right exactly it's 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 nuts um so it's right to start that but then literally it goes you know we go through Yeah, never lost a bomber Deprived of an ace, first to shoot down jets. Tuskegee airmen sank a German destroyer. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's literally, you know, superiority, inferiority, it's you know, um, the mm. number of kills, things like that. it's it's really, really funny. But you know, that opening scene, you're right. I think it's it it has no no place in it. Mainly because I don't like seeing B-17's wings folding up like B24s, but that's a niche geeky thing. Cause B seventeen wings don't Break basically in this movie if a b-17 gets shot down its wings come off yeah like every yeah, yeah. single isn't one
2: isn't that like from memphis bell though when they do that in memphis bell too
4: it, it's it's because it's it's that shot of the b-17 with its engine on fire that then gets hit by flax it. and it's yeah. It's, yeah. its wing comes up and everyone goes oh it was hit by a bomb well he's clearly got a fire in the wing which is eating its way through the wing spar and then you can clearly see they get hit by flat because it goes whoosh right it, it, yeah. it explodes mm. where if it had just melted it would have just folded now the b24 with the davis wing it, they folded up all the time um but it's it's such an iconic image from the air war that it's yeah. become a trap. happens half yeah, a yeah. dozen times it's in the film doesn't it yeah yeah, Almost yeah and, shot it includes it. One. let's not be wrong you get hit by 30. We're going to come back to being hit by a 30 millimeter cannon shell in a bit. But that is going to be hilarious. Yeah, that's it. You're gonna, your, your day is messed up when that happens. Oh, right? Yeah. But So, you know, it's yes, planes are going to get blown apart and there's going to be chunks flying off them and stuff. But, yeah, that 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 whole opening sequence is I know why they did it. But it doesn't need to be there it doesn't m- make it m- easy. M- why is yeah. it in there
2: like it, it they only come back to it later on when they have to escort themselves and it's like stick with the fighters but it's not like you've got someone one of the characters learning like maybe if they when they'd come back from that patrol and he'd learned that oh i've just heard from my mate or something that and he heard from someone that there was a bomb a, a bomber stream that the the uh, the p51s left them for dead Oh my god like you could have written in a tiny little thing about why that scene was in
3: there. You could have made that work. That's that's a good point because they or, do that in the film. Yeah. The sequence or, where they learn about the ME262s is is clearly an ADR voiceover added later. Where like oh watch out for those ME262s and and they're like oh yeah what's that and it's it, it's foreshadowing yeah, but in yeah. the in the most have clumsy you heard way. Heard
4: about those jets. <laughs> mhm. know, right.
2: But, the, yeah, it's just the thing that annoys me where you could have had a callback to that first scene where the guys go, remember that bomber stream that was left for dead? We're not going to be those guys.
4: Like, all, that'd all be it, fine. All it needed is the gun camera scene from Memphis Bell. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. To, that you know, that sequence when John Lithgow starts reading the letters, which I believe are all bomber command letters, aren't they? Um, I think I, so. I've heard that yeah. before. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, um, Don't, Putnam sure. wanted to I've, I've wanted to said. make yeah because Putnam wanted to make bomber and couldn't get it done, yes, so it. They, they they flipped yeah. it. Um, but that sequence of the German gun cameras, the, it's silent. It's just the words over the top mm-hmm. of it. I think that would have worked better if you needed that scene. There's a fan edit there somewhere.
2: There definitely is. Yeah, yeah. We always say four fan edits are going to win, win mm-hmm. the day uh, eventually. So maybe as we are as we always do, we're sliding into final thoughts. Maybe we should, we should go into final thoughts.
4: I really want to like this movie. I watched it again yesterday and you just yeah, it's sighing. It's it it is shit. It's not it's not a good movie, right? Um my my bar for um airplane movies is um a film called Fighter Squadron, right? Which you you, seriously guys, you you have you have to watch because it is hilarious. So it's um nineteen forty eight. Directed by Raoul Walsh, it's got Robert Stack in it. It's it's P forty sevens and lots of P forty sevens flying around doing P forty seven things with the stupid love story from Red Tails kind of worked into this, but where she's an American and there's a love triangle. It's you know it's nuts. it's like a by the numbers contract job for Raoul Walsh, uh, Walsh. Um, but there's a scene in it, right? Where they go, oh, Messerschmitts, twelve o'clock high, and it cuts, and it's six Mustangs, painted up as Messersmiths, amazing, right? And they roll in, and they have this big dogfight thing, and then when it cuts to one of them getting shot down, it's literally a model of a one hundred and nine. You can, it, it's hilarious, and you know the, the classic sort of plane yeah. being dropped through the camera on, on a wire, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my bar for for these sorts of things because I, it's. Silly enough for us to look back on it and go, okay, it's 1948, and it's a, it's a rush job, and which is mm-hmm. weird because like what two years later they make 12 o'clock high and you know, anyway, mm-hmm. whatever. yeah whatever. So I have a particularly low bar for what I can enjoy when it comes to these things. This film fails because it doesn't know who its audience is, and okay. this film fails because it's trying to be cool and respectful and it fails because it's jumping back and forth between those two things the scenes on the ground the scenes when they're 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 briefing um there's a fantastic little snippet on youtube of Antie hemingway talking about the prayer circle scene right yeah and and it's one of those scenes where you're like it just stops you for a second and I think if they'd said amen and walked off and then they do the the repeating of um what the, the colonel had told them that you know we fight but which is which is good. But that scene kind of sums it up because it it jars from one to the other. It's a moment of very religious men mm. turning to God before they go. It's not a a, a preacher on the ground going, you know, bless and all that, like the the preacher underneath the, the engine of the B-17 that's in all those. It's not. It's pilots having a moment to share their faith and show their fear. Because that's the other thing that doesn't, doesn't happen in this movie. Nobody's nobody's scared. You know, uh, you, you guys were no. talking to James. There's the great scene when the phone rings in the Battle of Britain and the guy goes around the back and chucks yeah. up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's none of that in this. And they're doing that because they're afraid to show... These very human men as human they have to be superheroes yeah. and it it yeah. failed it fails for me because of that now the thing from the with all the ncis la lady that's in it who speaks it seriously put the subtitles on on this film because it makes even less sense for that i'm going to get to the german in a minute but you know th- there's 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 <laughs> It's just because they don't know who they're pitching it at. And I think yeah, you know, yeah. Ch- Chaz Chaz is quite right about this. He says the edit's wrong. It, and you said it in the intro. It's a bigger movie that they've cut down. The problem is they've cut it down to the wrong bits.
2: Yeah, they've cut the wrong parts out. I yeah. said that in my in my like summing up how I feel about it. It feels like six or seven spec scripts for a TV series boiled into one film where you start a story, where you would start it before the credits roll, sorry, before the subtitles roll um, on a TV show. So the bit where Junior goes to the PRW camp, the minute they say, you're going to help us escape or whatever, it would cut to the Tuskegee Airmen credits. And then you would be in that episode, and that whole episode would be Junior getting out of the PRW camp. There'd be a whole episode on the Berlin raid. There'd be a whole episode on that the, the, the pow
4: them. camp in austria that he somehow yeah
2: exactly <laughs> but like yeah and that, that's where it annoys me way as you said matt it just chopped it chopped up too much it doesn't know its audience the villain is horrendously weak i couldn't give two shits about that bloke
4: never show the baddies in these sorts of movies right Mm. they need to be planes yeah they need to be scary and they're scary when they bounce you right you don't Mm -hmm. need comedy nazi right i've I've, okay here we go i'm actually going to start referring to my notes now right so when you turn the (laughs) sub so so in the actual this has
2: been off the dome from matt till here it's very impressive
4: yeah so when you watch this and when i watch this the german
3: baddies only line is my god those pilots are african
4: Oh no, no, no. There's a, there's a couple. In the first one, when they roll in, he says, Show no mercy.
3: Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. And when he's shooting up at shooting easy up in the um in the 262 at the end of the movie, his line is die, you foolish African. Wow. Right. And you know, it It's just hokey and needless. It, but but it's I, I kinda know why it's there because probably in the longer script there was what the Germans were doing in Italy. Right. There was probably, probably there yeah. was probably something about that. Now the these are the most well supplied Germans in nineteen forty four I have ever seen on film anywhere. Right, because that airbase is. hello. <laughs> oh, right? right? Yes. Truly. Yes, <laughs> I. Yeah. Yes, I know. Four hundred tons of supplies were coming through the Berner Platz through through early nineteen forty four a day. Right. They're not getting to an airbase that's like just off north of rome which is clearly well, where are that...
3: all going to that airbase exactly
4: right um <laughs> but that all of that the sort of thing where he stood at the all end of, is...
3: all of the explosives and fuel were, were, were all go into that airfield
4: what's he doing holding a k-98 at the end at the end of that scene helping well? matt helping <laughs> he was
3: helping shoot down no. the enemy aircraft obviously
4: Right, uh, that's it. That whole comedy Nazi thing. Okay, another thing. Right. Okay, now you've got me going. Right. First scene: that they come in and you get the weird, like yellow swastika thing on the back of on the tails of the aircraft. Right. Camera pans round to below the cockpit, and they've got the victory markings along the side of the cockpit. Right. Hmm. I still remember seeing that for the first time and going, "Fuck off." Right. Because German aircraft <laughs> had their victory markings on the tail. Right. And you had the, the yeah, bar and the dot depending right. yeah, on, 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 on the kill on the on the kill. Right. And it's like, oh, the trope is you have kills down the side. So we have to show that this guy is good. Therefore, let's put lots of markings on. And the markings are all over the place. Pause it. It's nuts. But it's like he's got his nose art and then it's like surrounded by kills. You don't need that. It's Bad enough that you have, you know, it would be like in Memphis Bell, right? Cutting to one of the guys in in the bouchons and him going, Show no mercy, boys, show no mercy. Yeah, the the fighters are turning back. There's a lot of problems with Memphis Bell, but it keeps you with the people you need to be with. You're trying to have an affinity with these guys. And even as poorly written as they are, for a guy who then was at this point in time writing Twelve Years a Slave. I mean, how did this happen? You mm. are constantly being taken away from them. Now, the yeah. stuff in Washington, I get right. That's that's kind of historically accurate, right? Because you've got um, uh, Benjamin O. Davis, who's the the commander of the 99th and then the 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 three thirty second. Incredible character. So, it's go away and Google Ben Davis. First black general in the U.S. Air Force, incredible career, incredible man, right? Yeah. And Terrence Howard does a reasonable facsim- facsimile of him, but you know, it's you can see what he's doing. You know, the old man's gone back to Washington to fight our corner. Yeah, great, right? And he he does it quite well. Is you know, there's there's a few lines are which are a little bit too flippant, but he's fighting the fight, and it's a movie. Now yeah. you're staying, you understand the gravity of the battle that these guys were facing, right? They were, you know, the, the Air Force kept putting people in charge of these units who were straight up and down racists, which is why you then have the mutiny at Freeman Field in 1945 with the B-25 unit that never got deployed, um, in which they segregated the base and then the, the pilots decided to go in in threes to try to order a drink. This is a real double war these guys are fighting so that needs to be there so why cut to the comedy blonde nazi with you know the a bad die job let's yeah, be honest yeah, yeah. It, it, there is there is no need for that because
2: it detracts that, a lot yeah. i've got to admit like him being the way he is i was like well a, a me. A, a jet sorry a, a german jet fighter is scary enough i don't care about the person flying it really and you've already you're already doing too much in this movie as it is. I've, you know, I've just got here. It's like weak villain, weak characterization for everyone, and lots of subplots that muddle. Well, Bryan
3: Cranston's the, the bad guy,
4: yeah, really.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, it, it's and it's like, but he's you know oh, I don't know. It's really annoying. It it's annoying because I can't categorize it because I don't want to say it's inherently a bad movie because I did enjoy parts of it. It's a real, it's a, you know, it's just like your parents say, you know, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed because it's what this film could have been. Could have been a lot more. Um, if it had just had a bit more refinement, if someone had been in the editing room and going like, hang on a minute, let's cut that out. Let's trim this here. Let's maybe not use, because I've got a thing with these movies. You have to have set pieces, but When it's an aerial film, they just want to chuck in every single dogfight they can. Use them sparingly. I want some time on the ground to get to know these people. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why 12 O'Clock High is so good. That's why Appointment in London is so good. Because you spend 85, 90% of your movie learning about these people. So when they go up in the air, it's incredibly fucking dangerous and you care about them. And this is where Red Tails doesn't do that. I, when they're in the air I don't really didn't really care who came back and who didn't because I could pick you out I could pick him out like well little's going to get killed now because he's just had his he's just told the woman he loves him it, it's very by the numbers at the end and that's yeah so she says
3: yes he's dead
2: yeah he's dead yeah exactly um you know and it, it's trying to keep desperately trying to keep its pg-13 rating not having him blown to smithereens yeah. by cannon fire
4: and just to say that's the cleanest and tidiest 1940s italian town ever (laughs) because yeah yeah because it's um all cgi uh, yeah but it's (laughs) uh, i i I did actually i meant to write this down the the town just north of the foggia airfields was the scene of a massive sas cock up that turned into this big battle so the town was wrecked right yes yes what yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah exactly but it's you know And to be fair, Southern Italy was not the picturesque holiday destination it was, even before the war. It was a very, Mm. very deprived place. That's why people were living in caves, right? And yet it's like, yeah, picture postcard Italy with picture postcard Italian lady. She's there
3: on a veranda,
4: putting her washing out, waving to the flyers. It, it's it's not yeah. good it's really not and you know the the the, 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 the <laughs> final the final scene he's going head to head i'm not going to get into the, the the love story because it isn't it doesn't work it's worthless it's just in no. there for in their uh, sake isn't it uh, That's the uh, hang game. on
3: hang on at least she a she wasn't mistaken for a prostitute and b she didn't have kids
4: no uh, okay which yeah five yeah, boys, yeah, f- boys cliches yeah. were, were worse Cat, catch we'll catch, 20, catch 22 cliches as well there because all, yeah. all the women in that are prostitutes or, or are willing to sell yeah, themselves. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah. Okay, then let's do the 30 millimeter cannon thing, right? Oh, the other thing is whenever an ME109 gets hit, the MK pods underneath the wings, smoke. What? Yeah, you know, if you shoot someone in the engine, smoke is not gonna come out of a bolted-on cannon pod underneath the wing. No. Look Look for that next time you watch it. i never now, noticed
2: that before ever.
4: Oh, <laughs> mate.
2: I'm a Luddite uh, when it comes to planes anyway. So, you know, yes. it's smoke, my mind.
4: A plane with holes in it has smoke coming out of strange places. It don't come out of there, ladies and gentlemen. Right, okay. not fair hurt. enough. Okay, so let's do this, right? David O'Yellow gets hacked to pieces. Well, he should get hacked to pieces at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Now, 262... Throttled up. Now the other thing is a two six two doesn't use the throttles a lot, much like first generation jets. You kind of set it and you leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, So because they just would spool up too slow, so they would set the power. They dive in, right? So he's probably closing at let's pick a number that's reasonable, about four hundred and fifty miles an hour, right? Which is a lot faster than a Mustang would be going. Mustang would be is coming at him at say three hundred miles an hour. So you've got a closing speed of seven hundred and fifty plus miles an hour, and for four seconds in this movie they are shooting at each other right i timed it it's the longest four seconds ever and okay in four seconds the the four um, uh, mg mk103s in the the front it's only going to be spitting out in real life not that many shells because it it was not a high high um, rounds per minute weapon because it's literally throwing an artillery shell at you right now both planes are getting shot up. David yellowo has is in the cockpit. And in the first time I saw it, the cockpit initially goes boom. There's lots of stuff. There's obviously a good squib there that puts smoke and sprinklers mm. and things in it. And then the squibs go off on him. And it's little PG 13, as as yeah. Matt was saying, pop, 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 pop. Right. Now, one of two things would have happened in real life. The engine would have exploded because it would have hit the fuel lines or something and basically just ripped the front off. Or if it had managed to break it, he'd have vast quantities of Merlin engine entering through a fuel tank and then him, right? but he shoots down the german and the line is you might be the best pilot who ever lived right it's terrible yeah Mm -hmm. and there's there's, way
3: too much cockpit quipping in this as well
4: yeah it's anyways but this the shot then shows them still at altitude right Mm. they're still quite high up at this point because you can see the bombers in the background so they're at 20 odd thousand feet right he then removes his mask which is what he's doing throughout this whole movie going oh i don't like my mask to basically go oh look it's david O'Yellow, right and he then says, I can't breathe, dude. You're at altitude and you've just had your lungs shot out. Of course you can't breathe, right? But, uh, you're just sitting there going, die gracefully. Yeah. Man. But then there's four yeah. minutes of him falling to earth gracefully. And he's just like, what would have been better is if he just went.
2: Yeah, exactly. It would have been more, it would have been yeah. more like shocking for the audience it, you know might for any remnant of a, of anyone watching who that cared about him it would have hit a lot harder and I think that's a
4: problem the the guy I think I Michael B Jordan goes right yeah exactly yeah yes. <laughs> he's gonzo. yeah he's gone you know he, he gets hit and he's off and that's it you see him screaming and he he's going down nobody burns yeah. in this movie right unless you're on a bomber in the opening scene oh, the, every- no
2: the guy the guy that crashes at the airfield he burns
4: Deke. yeah yeah but Deke, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sorry that thing rolled. He had no head. Oh, yeah, what are they dead. pulling yeah, out, thought, out of, out of that airplane? Like toast.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah,
4: definitely. The, the, you've got, you know, these things were it's flying. Gonna be fine oh yeah, He's going to be. Gonna... The, that's
3: why I was talking about earlier when I said there's zero stakes. That dude yeah. rolled, there's no stakes. on fire, yeah. and he got pulled out, think, and he said he's going to yeah. be fine. It's, Just it's
4: PG. Yeah, it's PG. Just there is a lot that is a Nat tadger away from being really quite good my only hope is with the renaissance of black filmmakers that we, we're having at the moment right that mm-hmm. they will watch masters of the air and go that was terribly white and they will turn yeah. to the tuskegee mm-hmm. airmen and you will have a new generation of black filmmakers of which at the moment they are smashing it you know Ladies and gentlemen, just go mm. watch. Just go watch. Nope, and tell me that you yeah. were not affected by that. Right? Um, it, hell, Creed. You know, the Ryan. I would love Ryan Coogler to take on. you know... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The Tuskegee. Um, That's a good show. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the thing that this film has done, and that people still talk about it, and almost every single one of our big comments on social media was this should have been better they deserved more in this yeah and that's
2: i think that's it isn't it that really sums it up mm-hmm. is that it just deserves a better story and it's like 60 percent there it just needed a lot of refinement i mean matt do you want to give us a closing sentence matt uh for this week um for
3: me i completely agree it it's lacking in a number of key places and it, it just needed that little extra to push it over the edge, a little bit of refinement in the script, um, a little, perhaps a little bit better edited. There's, there's a great cast in there, but they're poorly used. Um, some of the aerial CG looks good. Even today looks, still looks pretty good, um, in terms of production value. Um, but a lot of the ground stuff is overused. Um, so. It, it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be on my rewatch, uh, and I I know that Matt loads it in a way in a love hate kind of approach, but for me it was it was just a little bit too mediocre. I think that's what my takeaway from it was.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think that really is it, isn't it?
3: It's a two especially when movie. that production company, that director, that cast are all there. Yeah.
2: It's got everything going for it and it falls and some it's in there somewhere and that actually brings unofficial aviation April to a close this week. Um I think we we hit some big ones. We did some necessary ones you might not have seen before. And next week we are uh going to be talking to Tom Petch about his film uh The Patrol which is set in Afghanistan which is one of the rare British uh Afghanistan movies.
3: So, yes, do join us for our chat with Tom Petch next week. And thank you so much to Matt for joining us. Do go and check out the Damncasters podcast, fabulous podcast if you love all things aviation. We're so pleased and happy to have you on the show. Thank you for
4: joining us. Thank you, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Great.
2: See you, everyone. Bye-bye.
3: Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.